Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. Isaiah prophesied the Messiah would be the embodiment of the power and presence of the God of Israel. He would bring about the fulfillment of God's promise to David. This appealed to the people's desire for a Messiah to deliver national greatness from their enemies. But in stark contrast, Isaiah also prophesied that the Messiah was to serve and suffer. Today we're going to look into this incredible suffering servant. On our panel today, we have Stephen Groom and Rosemary Malkovich. Welcome. Hello. Okay. And before we start this important topic, let's bow for prayer. Gracious Father, we are going to look into this amazing prophecy of the suffering Messiah, the suffering servant. As we do, we need spiritual wisdom and we ask for the Holy Spirit to give us understanding. Mm. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Stephen. In the book of Isaiah, the first part of Isaiah, it portrays the Messiah as being a certain characteristic. Can you give me two examples of how that uh, is portrayed? What is he like? Yes. Um, first, I'd like to go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And it says, A child is born. He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And as well as that, I'd like to go now to Isaiah 11, just over the page, verses 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Verse 11. And he shall recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria, and it names all these places. So here we have um, a king from the line of David that brings glory and who the Gentiles seek after. So this is pretty impressive. And this is the, the view that's being built up up to, say, chapter, chapter 39. 39. But Rosemary, once we get to chapter 40, we see the portrayal of the Messiah starts to change. What, what's that like? What's the change? Well, there's been judgment and doom of Judah and apostasy and wickedness of the surrounding nations. But then Isaiah starts to talk about promises of God that are going to be given to the righteous. And there are predictions of the coming Messiah and his character and, and what he's going to do, um, his self-sacrifice on behalf of humans. So it, it does a, quite a lot of change as we go through the book of Isaiah. In fact, Isaiah is called the mini Bible. 66 ch um, chapters, there's 66 books in the Bible. Yeah. And at chapter 40, the tone changes, yep. just like in the Bible. And because of that tone change, we were just talking earlier, Stephen, people think there's a number of authors of Isaiah. Oh, yes. Um, you'll read in commentaries how they believe that there was a second Isaiah who lived a contemporary with Cyrus, because if you read in Isaiah 45, verse 1, for instance, it predicts Cyrus a hundred years before he was even born. So there's mm. scholars who don't believe in the predictive element of the Bible, and Isaiah in particular, and which denies Isaiah's own prediction. It says in Isaiah 46, verse 10, that I am the Lord declaring the end from the beginning. They don't believe that. But to refute this, there is absolutely no evidence 
in any literature of the existence of any second Isaiah. Mm. So no serious mm. Bible student should accept this. Mm. Yeah. And in regards to uh, this change in portrayal of the Messiah, what's the, the change in chapter 42? 42, just reading from verse 7, it says, He has come, uh, verse 46 says, I, the Lord God, have called you in righteousness. And we go to verse 7. To do what? The purpose is to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from prison, from them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. So here we see a, a ruler or a king that's coming, the, the servant, who is to serve the people rather than have people serve him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting when you look at the parallel in the Gospels, Luke 4.18, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to uh, preach deliverance to the captives. It's uh, portraying mm. uh, Jesus in that same way, isn't he? Rosemary, just another question for you on this. Um, when you look at uh, this prophesied Messiah, we have Isaiah 49 verse 7. Is another different angle too. Talk us yeah. through that one. Okay, let me read this. Isaiah 49 verse 7. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship. And because of, because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, and he shall choose thee. So this is saying that this Holy One of God, his Redeemer, will actually end up being despised and rejected by the people. They will abhor him. And that's what happened to Jesus. He came and did good, but the Jews actually rejected him. Hmm. They abhorred him because he didn't fit with their idea of what the Messiah should be doing. Yeah. So this verse really was fulfilled in Jesus' life. It really portrays that. And then moving on, we get to Isaiah 50, verse 6. Stephen, could you read that one for us? Yes. It says, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. And it's natural fleshly instinct, isn't it, for us to reject those who are treated this way. No one likes to esteem highly someone who's thought of like that. But here we see the substitutionary um, effect that this person was to have for his people. He was to suffer for his people. Yeah, look, it's, it's hard to get your head around this because this is the, the, the servant, this is uh, the Messiah. And how would, how would this person allow that to happen to him? That's, that's the question. Mm. Yeah. And this is, this is uh, severe abuse. And plucking out the hair, that hurts. This <laughs> is severe abuse. And kings are not were meant to be treated with respect and honour. In effect, for instance, we have in 2 Samuel 16, I mean, Jesus came from the line of David. In 2 Samuel 16, just to refer to that, we have the story of how Shimei um, shouted mm. at curses at David mm. And Abishai asked permission to have his head cut off. So we see the great offence there it is to treat kings with disrespect. But here we have prophesied in the Bible from 50 onwards where this um, suffering servant would come and be treated like this. Yeah. The interesting thing about David in that case is David said, no, don't kill him. God will take care of that. Correct, yes. So maybe he, in some way that's why how he was like the Messiah. Yeah, he was a very forgiving man. 
So this is starting to put a dent in this, this concept of this mighty king who's going to redeem Israel. This is not fitting the script, so to speak. Mm. What about today? Do we see, even today, do we see rulers um, treated this way? I mean, verbally, perhaps, well, but what we're about seeing physically? It, we're seeing it in many places around the world, riots and protests and all sorts of things being said about rulers. Uh, in Thailand recently, they were, they were calling for the sacking of the king, take the, the royalty away. And yet when we lived in Thailand, it was extremely important and they were revered. Um, in, when we were in Nepal, the, the king was assassinated and he was to them a god. And so it was a, a tragic thing. But in the Islamic countries, it's illegal to say something against the rulers. Yeah, you'll You'll be in a terrible situation. Long prison time, I'd suggest. Yes. So look, moving on to, we now get to Isaiah 52 and verse 13. From Isaiah 52 verse 13 to 53 verse 12, we have this amazing uh, prophecy of the suffering servant. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, Rosemary, can I get you to read verse mm. 52, 13 to 53, 1? We'll just go through that and then I'll... Got a question for you, Steve. Right, 52.13 to 53.1. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? So Stephen, is there any doubt who this is referring to? Does it, do we have any sort of, do we have to guess? No, there's no doubt because it was fulfilled by Jesus. But even if we don't agree with that, we have the Bible to give us evidence. If you go to the book of Acts in the New Testament, mm. we have the account of an Ethiopian ruler and he was, Acts chapter 8, and the prophet Philip was told to go near and join himself to the chariot in verse 29. And then this Ethiopian had, was reading the scriptures and he was reading from Isaiah 53 verse 7. It says, he was led as a, a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shearer. So he opened not his mouth. So this, this man asked Philip, who is this speaking about? And then it says in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth, and he began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So here we have in the book of Acts confirming that the suffering servant is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Yeah, there's no doubt about no that, doubt. the Bible yeah. says. Rosemary, getting back to you, you just read verse uh, 14. Um, talk to us about this. his visage was more, visage more marred than any other man. What's... What's the background okay. there? Actually, in verse 13 of Isaiah 52, it says that he will be exalted and extolled and be very high. And then the very next verse, it says that his visage will be marred more than any man, basically so that he's unrecognisable. When he was assaulted by the devil in Gethsemane, etc., and when he was on the cross, he had been beaten, he had been mm. scourged, he had been... Um, had all sorts of physical things done to him. It, though that wasn't what killed him, it was his heart being wrenched that killed him, but his visage was so marred that he could not be recognised by the beatings and things that he had received. Yeah, and they, they also say that when he went into the 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, 
coming out of that, you know. He would have been so thin. He would have been pretty thin. His visage would have been marred then. And of course, Gethsemane under That's the stress right. before he was physically abused. He was sweating blood. Yeah. So Stephen, the, the Bible's quite clear who it is. Um, so is this Messiah understood to be universally Jesus? Do the Jews today believe that? No, they didn't. It seems to be that they were selective in their text. You see, they were looking for a Messiah who would come, you know, 10 foot tall and, and like Saul, releasing them from their, from their enemies, the Roman yoke. But Jesus didn't come like that. He was meek and mild and he wasn't doing any of those things. And, and they didn't accept him. They failed to really comprehend, I think, the context of these texts here. The Jews thought they were going to be ruling the nations and they were looking forward to being the judge of everybody else. Mm. Confusing the second coming maybe with the first yes, coming of Jesus. exactly. Yeah. Rosemary, can you turn back to Isaiah 53 and could you read us verses 2 and 3, please? Okay. Verse 2 and 3. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. It's an interesting lot of verses there because, first of all, he, he didn't look any different to anybody else. There wasn't anything especially especially wonderful about his appearance to make people want to go after mm. him. He just looked like a Middle Eastern Jew. But then it goes on to say he was despised and rejected. He had no form or comeliness about him. He was acquainted with grief, a man of sorrows. Mm. I mean, this picture someone who was really suffering. When I look at that uh, verse 2 where it says, as a root out of dry ground, I think... Mm. You know, if you've got a plant that's come out of dry, dry ground, ground and it's stunted struggling. and undesirable, <laughs> this is an amazing thing because we're talking about a servant, Jesus, a Messiah, who was perfect and yet he was rejected mm. and they didn't want to know about him. Uh, and I think part of that is that our fleshly nature naturally recoils from something that's not beautiful. We're attracted to beauty. Mm. But we, we recoil at something that doesn't, that's been treated badly like that. But Jesus' attraction was his character, his grace, his forgiveness, his love, his mercy. And he came to die for us. So he, he was willing to experience all of that and to show us the character of God and yet suffer, on, take our suffering on, him, on himself. Yeah. Um, Stephen, you mentioned before about rejecting the Messiah. The... The Jews today, what's their justification for rejecting Jesus? Yes, because he doesn't fulfill their role. He didn't come as a king. So even though with all the years since, with the New Testament, with all the other, they still hold on to their view. What do they say about Isaiah 53? They must, what, apportion it to somebody else? I don't know. And they don't have the New Testament, so they can't look at Acts chapter 8 to see the and that, fulfillment. That's the key it. thing, that's right. And they, they don't have the New Testament where they can read the book of Hebrews to see how Jesus uh, was, was fulfilling that and acquainted with Isaiah 53 as well. And it's a very big lesson for us. We need to not be selective in our reading of the text. We need to have a very balanced view of yeah. the Bible. Mm. 
Let's keep moving with Isaiah 53. I'm going to read Isaiah 53 and verse 4. Um, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Born our griefs. Stephen, what's... Oh, here we see, I believe, the substitutionary uh, death of Jesus on, on man's behalf. He did suffer for anything that he did, but he mm. died for the atonement for all those who will accept him. And so we read in the Bible that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm. And unless Jesus came and died for us on the cross, there would be no hope for anyone to, re to receive eternal life. So Jesus did this so basically that anyone, he who believes in me, can receive eternal life through his name. But it's so important that we accept his death on our behalf. Yeah. In, in verse 5 of Isaiah 53, this is the vicarious death of Christ where it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. Mm. And with his stripes we are healed. I mean, that is emphasised so strongly yes. yeah. that he did it for us. And, and that's a literary device here where, where the author has used the first person plural, us, we, us and our, to draw the, the effect of the reader into the, um, the cause of Jesus' death. So the cause is not just the Jews and the Romans back then, mm. but all us who have sinned are, are responsible for for nailing Jesus to the cross and all his suffering. And how does that make us feel when, yeah. when you bring in like that? Yeah. Rosemary, moving on to verse 6, Isaiah 53, verse 6. How does that give us hope today? Well, it says, All we like sheep have gone astray and have turned everyone to his own way. But the Lord laid the iniquity of us on, on Jesus. My dad was a dairy farmer and a sheep farmer. So from a young age, I was acquainted with sheep. They are really dumb. And so to be acquainted by God or be, be told that we are like sheep is almost offensive <laughs> when you know how dumb sheep are. But we all go astray. You, you can't leave a child to train itself and believe it's going to turn out right. A child mm. will automatically turn to evil because that's just the way our characters are bent. You have to train a child to do good, mm. to enjoy doing good, to be rewarded for doing good even. But a child needs to be trained. And Jesus came and died with us, for us. He did not sin because he chose to follow his father mm. and obey, like we have to train children to do. And because he did that, we have hope. Yeah. Because of ourselves. We're, we're we all in the same boat. We all have sinned all in the same boat and we all have a saviour. We, all, all, we all need the saviour, but yeah. unfortunately not everyone feels a need yes. yep. for a saviour. Stephen, if, moving on to, to verse 7 of Isaiah 53, this is the verse you referred to earlier. This is the one the Ethiopian was asking about. Yes. Um, what's so intriguing about this to you that he would have to ask this particular verse? Basically, I think the, the whole subject of Isaiah 53, what can this, who can this be person be that, that's being treated so bad? And, and why is he being treated so bad? unless we realise it's because of our own, own sinfulness, we'll never really feel the need for a saviour. Because this, this person is doing this voluntarily. Yes. That's right. And uh, they're going like a lamb to slaughter voluntarily for us. Yes. 
that's not normal. That's the unthinkable right there. And uh, I can imagine if, uh, you know, someone was reading the scroll, they would want to know who this person is. It's so unusual. Mm. And, and I can think of the fulfilment of that. He opened not his mouth in Mark chapter 14, where he's brought before this, uh, the Sanhedrin to answer for his um, convictions. Mm. And they brought all these railing accusations against him. And he answered not a word. Yeah. He was silent. Yeah. So, Rosemary, this took the suffering servant's death. He voluntarily gave his life. What's that mm. say about the seriousness of sin? Well, 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Christ came and did not sin. Um, and so he knew no sin. It, had, it could not touch him personally. But he took on our sin and became sin for us so that we could receive his righteousness, his, mm. his life of not sinning. God's made this transfer from Christ to ourselves. And though he was without sin, we are now saved by his death. Romans 6.23 says that the, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is life in Christ Jesus. Yeah. That also has something to say about the importance of the law, mm -hmm. because we understand that the law... Sin is a transgression of the law. And we also understand that the law is a reflection of God's glory or his character. That's right. Yes. And some people say the law has been done away with. Um, well, if that was the well case, then God's character has been done away with. <laughs> God's been done away with. But why would Jesus have to die if the law wasn't important? So it says about the importance, the importance of the law. And, yeah. and unless yeah. he, Jesus did die for us, then we have no hope. Yeah. That's right. So what does this mean to you personally? How does this relate to us personally today? It shows the, how bad we are. I meet a lot of people who don't recognise how sinful, how much a need, unless we realize the condition we are in, our sinfulness, we'll never really seek a saviour. It's like trying to give someone medicine who doesn't believe they're sick. It's just mm. not possible. They won't mm. take it. And, and I think what we already said before, verses 3 to 6 of Isaiah 53, the writer uses the first person plural, we you and us to try and draw the reader in to show him how bad he is. He says that all we like sheep, we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the suffering servant, the iniquity of us all. So he's drawing the whole world into the cause of the mm. suffering servants, suffering and death. Yeah the need to accept Jesus as your saviour. In verse 9, Rosemary, Isaiah 53, verse 9, we have an interesting fulfilment in Jesus' life. Talk us through that one. Okay. He made his grave with the wicked, says verse 9, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Well, there was no deceit. Jesus had mm. not lied even once which is more than we can say for ourselves as human beings. But he never lied. He never was violent to anyone. But the point is that when he died, he was on the cross between two thieves, mm. two people who should 
die, they were condemned to death uh, for their sin, but he had not sinned himself. But then Joseph of Arimathea, who was a rich man and who believed in Jesus, had a brand new tomb that was hewn out of the, the rock. Uh, it was a cave and he actually had Jesus' body placed in his own cave and he had him anointed mm. um, as they would do in their normal burial process. But So he died with the, um, with the thieves, with the criminals, mm. and he was put into a rich man's cave. And he died the death of a criminal. Crucifixion yes, was for criminals. Did. He did. So he fulfilled this verse yeah. exactly. It's a great, great example of um, fulfillment. In verse 10, Isaiah 53, verse 10, Steve, what does it mean here where it talks about um, it pleased the Lord to bruise him? We must is God, remember. Is God vindictive? Is God after? No, this was the plan of God. And it says that the plan of God was laid down since the foundation of the world. So it was God's will that Jesus and they all agreed, the Godhead agreed to that they Jesus fulfilled this plan. So Jesus was fulfilling the plan of God. That's why it pleased God to do this. And I'd like to um, turn to Luke chapter 24. And... Even after the death of Jesus, when Jesus was resurrected, the disciples were wondering, well, we thought a great one was to come in Israel, but he died unexpectedly. And then Jesus was walking with them and they didn't recognize him. And he said, O fools and slower of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? So we see here a contrast. It was the glory of God that Christ suffered and died for his people. It's the only way that a people can be redeemed from this earth. So the, the pleasing part was they could see the redemption of all these millions of people. Yes. That's again the love of God right there, isn't it? So it's like tunnel vision. They were looking to the end and basically God had to go mm. through this. I think of um, Hebrews 12 verse 2 that said Jesus looking forward to the glory that was going to be his. He endured the cross. He, he was endured pleased. the shame. Yes, he did. He was pleased to do it because he saw beyond what was actually happening now to the future. Mm. Um, Stephen, how was this suffering servant portrayed after his death? What was the, uh, in verse 12 here, it, it uh, talks about, therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. Oh, this is very important. Isaiah 53 and I'd like to, so we see here, therefore means on account of what we've just read, I will divide a portion with the great and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. So here we see God's or the heaven's view of what Jesus went through was not, was actually opposition of what the people at that time, they saw it as rejection and terrible. But heaven sees it as a victory and very positive things. And also, when, if you go to Isaiah 52, verse 13, it also says, my, my, my servant shall deal prudently, he shall be exalted and extolled. Because of Jesus' death, mm. he was exalted. Excellent. Well, thank you for those comments. Mm. Well, God sent Jesus Christ, the Messiah, as the suffering servant to die on the cross to redeem his people. All human beings who receive him are freed from the bondage of sin. One day as the mighty King of Kings, he will take his redeemed home and reign forever. We're glad you're with us today on Let God Speak. You can watch any past program on our website, 3abinaustralia.org.au. 
Teachers Helps can be downloaded from there. You can email us on lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Do join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.